Welcome, you're listening to a broadcast by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted partner for smart and powerful generosity. And here's your host, Reverend Philip Leo, Church Communications Director. It's also a pleasure to have Cindy Remersma with us. Cindy is our Client Services Administrator. Cindy, welcome. Thanks, Phil. Good to see you, even though I just saw you like five minutes ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good to see you as well. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, funding hacks to pay for ministry. And I want to tell a little bit of a story in terms of how uh, we came up on that topic. Before I do that, though, I just want to mention uh, resources that we're going to be referring to probably a few times in the course of our conversation together. The first is uh, Barnabas Foundation Church site, which you can find at church.barnabasfoundation.com. That has all of our resources, uh, trainings, and uh, forms, whatever you need uh, for church services from Barnabas Foundation. So I want to just make sure that uh, you have that saved and one of your favorites, have it ready to go, church.barnabasfoundation.com. And then also, uh, we're going to be talking about generosity today as well. That's our quarterly newsletter that promotes gifts of non-cash assets and uh, gifts in a will, which is really where I want to pick up this morning because um, I have conversations, Cindy, every single week with pastors, with church treasurers, with deacons about non-cash assets, gifts of non-cash assets, and gifts in a will, which is our, our I can't talk, our sweet spot uh, here at Barnabas Foundation. And um, that's what we're always talking about uh, to churches. When I speak with pastors, uh, church treasurers, deacons about these resources, often they share with me uh, felt obstacles, things that uh, they feel are make it really hard for them to receive these kinds of gifts. And uh, so that's really where I want to go with our conversation today. I want to talk about funding hacks to pay for ministry, ways for churches to uh, get around some of those obstacles when it comes to promoting and receiving gifts of non-cash assets and, um, and gifts in a will. Before we dive in, Cindy, another thing I meant to share, a couple things I meant to share. One, if uh, you're listening and want, have a question for Cindy, uh, feel free to use the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen. Uh, post your question. We'll be glad to uh, take that and get you an answer right away. And also, I want to just encourage you as a church leader, you're watching this now live. This will be recorded. It'll be posted on our church site. But then um, it'll be easy to share from there with another church leader. I'd like you to think about who can I share this with at my church and say, hey, here's a, uh, a conversation that I participated in. Want you to watch the recording and then make a note to follow up uh, with that person later and say, hey, did you get a chance to watch that? What did you think about it? What, uh, what kinds of ideas did you have about that? And maybe use it as a, as a starting point for some brainstorming at your church related to some good next steps to be able to receive uh, non-cash gifts and gifts in a will. So Cindy, uh, one of the first things or a very common thing I should say that I hear from church leaders when I have conversations is, 
you know what, we're, we're just not a big church. Uh, we don't have anybody at our church that's a big donor. So we don't have anybody that would uh, make uh, a gift of non-cash assets or even make a gift in a will. Uh, where do we go uh, with that, Cindy, in terms of addressing that concern? Yeah, thanks, Bill. Um, I really think you know, the, the church always, the, the heart of what the church needs to be in the area of stewardship is to educate and encourage. And so by educating their members about different gift options that are available, and then you know, also educating them about what the Bible says about stewardship on a consistent basis, just always putting that in front of them because it gets them in the mindset to think about um, the assets that God's entrusted to them. And then to continue to encourage um, members as well about giving. And um, even if the people aren't able to give regularly larger gifts, um, majority of people hold their most of their assets in non-cash um, entities, non-cash gifts, whether it be in you know homes or stocks, IRAs, those sort of things that they can't readily give from those to the church every week or don't think about giving to those from the church every week. And so um, one thing to talk to people about, even if you're in a smaller church, maybe smaller community, is making sure that they have a will. You know, it's, again, being part of a good steward is making sure that our assets are taken care of after we leave this earth. And so making sure that they have um, a will is, is really important. Um, one story that I like to share is about um, kind of the widow's might, where this woman faithfully came to church with her $20 check every, every week. Um, but then she left the church as a beneficiary of her will. And the only asset she had that she left to the church was her $400,000 fully paid for home. So this woman that was giving $20 a week left the church $400,000 now from her estate for them to, to steward. Um, so that, so again, having a will is just really, really important. Absolutely. And those, those kinds of gifts, uh, a gift and a will, uh, don't come around every day. They don't come around every week. Uh, they come around occasionally, but they do come around and they do come around uh, to small churches uh, and large churches alike. I do think what happens or what can happen with church leaders, with pastors, uh, those who are busy uh, making policy and making sure that ministries are running, uh, sometimes um, there's not the forethought for a plan for those kinds of gifts. And that's what can happen to churches when they uh, sort of out of the blue, you might say, receive a gift in a, in a will of 100,000 or $400,000 or whatever the number is, and then realize that um, they haven't prepared for it. And the Legacy Foundation is uh, a very simple way to have a plan in place uh, not only to receive uh, these kinds of gifts, but also to promote this kind of giving, as you were saying, Cindy, in terms of uh, talking about biblical stewardship, talking about uh, what the Bible says about generosity and being good stewards of all that's been entrusted to, uh, to us. You know, and a lot of uh, seniors, and, and maybe I don't think I'm going off topic here, but I know a lot of seniors, I was just thinking I was having a conversation with my mom, she's 82, the majority of her giving that she does goes to her church. Um, that's just the fact because her church matters a lot to her. And uh, uh, if you look in terms of what she's given in for charitable giving, 
uh, the vast majority of it goes to her church. So when it comes to her will, uh, her church, it matters to her. Her church makes a big difference for her. She spent uh, decades and decades and decades um, as part of that fellowship. So it would be natural for her to leave a gift in her will. Church leaders, pastors, uh, church treasurers, deacons have to understand the importance of church ministry for their members and how it would make sense for them to make a gift in their will, which I, I, I think is often gets missed. Yeah, I think that's really true. The church needs to have a plan for what they're going to do with those assets when they receive it. And people aren't going to automatically think about listing the church in their will um, all the time. You know, they might first think of their children, but if right. they know that their church can use the money and how their church is going to use money and that the church, um, you know, is going to use the money for missions or ministries or whatever that that vision of the church is, they're going to be much more apt to also include the church and maybe their children in their will. Whereas the church never talked about it. They may just never even think about that. Absolutely. So Cindy, here's another thing that I often hear as I speak with churches across the country. Um, I'll hear this comment, you know, we're really an older church. Uh, we don't have very many young families at all. Um, so uh, thinking and dreaming around gifts of non-cash assets uh, isn't really our thing because we have seniors who are on fixed incomes and no capacity to be able to give um, in smart and powerful ways. Uh, so uh, where do we begin in that conversation, Cindy? Yeah, one of the main areas here, Phil, that's um, really been helpful over the last several years is that our U.S. government has allowed individuals who are over 70 and a half to give directly from their IRA, their individual retirement account um, to charity, including their church, without having to recognize that as income. And so this has been a great gift opportunity for, for people who are maybe more on a fixed income that have maybe um, you know, Social Security and they've got their IRA and those are their two sources of income. And they've got this large, large IRA, but every time they take money out of it, they're taxed, they're running your income rates um, on that money. And so they're not apt to pull from it, but if they can give it directly to charity and they can give up to $100,000. So once they, once they turn a certain age, they're required to take a minimum distribution from those IRAs. So often people, now what I've seen since this started is that people are directing their, their minimum distribution directly to their church or directly to their favorite charities instead of recognizing that as, as income. Um, and so it really is a, a popular gift to give. Also, what also makes that helpful for individuals is that again, recently itemized deductions were increased for an, in, an individual. It's, I think it's 12,400 for a married couple, it's, it's double that. And right. so a lot of people aren't itemizing. So they're giving to the church, but they're not receiving a tax benefit for that. So by giving from their IRA, they get this benefit of not having to recognize that as income. And that we have found um, with those individuals who are 70 and a half, that has been really a, an attractive giving option yeah, to them. Absolutely. But again, churches aren't talking about it. No, and no. so they don't, many people don't know that it's, it's an option. Yep. And I did not plan to talk about my mom again twice in one of these. She doesn't even know that, that I'm doing this or that I have these conversations. But 
literally this past week, uh, she had just had her taxes done. And literally she was talking about how much she ended up having to pay in taxes and um, was asking about making a gift from her IRA directly to her church. And so I said, I know a few people. I can, I can get you hooked up. And that's actually one of our uh, questions on the board is where does a church member begin? What's a, what's a good first step, Cindy? Sure. So a couple, a couple things I want to talk about, Phil. First of all, is the first step for the church. The first step to the church is to promote this as a giving option to those individuals in their church who are 70 and a half or older. Barnabas has a great information sheet. I've shared it with the people from, from my church, sent out a little cover letter from the deacons along with the information sheet, just to let them know that that giving option is available. Then the next step for the individual to make that gift is for them to contact their IRA administrator and say that they want to make a qualified charitable distribution, QCD, QCD qualified yeah. charitable distribution from their IRA to their church and provide the address for their church. They could probably even inform them if they want to designate it in any way, you know, so much for operating missions, you know, that sort of thing. They could let their um, administrator know that. And then their administrator will take care of sending that um that check onto the church. That's typically how it happens. Sometimes it can be a little, every administrator might be a little bit different, but contact sure. that IRA administrator. They're going to be very familiar with doing a QCD from your IRA and should know exactly what to do. Yeah, that's, uh, that's so good, Cindy. And that's so, that's so important. And as you say, there's something that uh, many, many churches are missing in terms of opportunity. Um, there is another question up there. I think I'm going to hold on to that one. How can I advertise about making non-cash gifts to our church? I'm certain that we will get to that one. So I'm going to hold on to that one. Um, so here's something that I also hear from churches when I have conversations. I just write these things down when, when they come my way. I just keep lists. One of them is, you know, we're, we're a younger church. And so we don't really have any opportunity for planned gifts, especially gifts in a will, because nobody's thinking about gifts in a will. Um, where do we where do we go in that conversation? Yeah. So first of all, um, I think don't make false assumptions about all younger people. There's many younger people who have wealth to to share and have um, non cash assets that they can that they can make to your church. So um, I think there's always an opportunity to educate about the different non-cash assets that are, are out there. Um, and you know, also we've had a huge, and are in the middle of a huge um, generational transfer of wealth where some younger people are the recipients of inheritances to, to gift as well. And so that's something as well to, to keep in mind if you've got people in the younger church um, and to, to think about with them. But I think one of the most important things that a church can do with their, with their younger um, families and individuals is just to talk about the importance of having a will at all stages of life, right. um, especially if they have children and making sure that there's guardianship of their, of their children. So educating them, I think is so important from a young age on of the importance of that. And they um, and educate them to renew or, or to review those those uh, wills every five years as their circumstances change, as their children age, as their assets change and, and change types of assets and that sort of thing to, to review their will every five years or so is really important. So, so also, you know, if uh, tell them Barnabas Foundation is a resource for them. 
Yeah. Um, send them our way. We are happy to help walk them through what needs to happen. Again, depending upon where they're at in life, um, what type of, of resources are available for them for making a will that might need something more complex later in life as their assets become more complex, as their family situations become more complex. But for younger people, um, there can be some really um, simple things that they can do to get a will in place. And again, really important, I think, for the church just to encourage that with all of their members. Absolutely. And as you say, a, a conversation with a planner from Barnabas Foundation is a great place to start and also a tremendous resource for you, uh, for your church, and to be able to just refer uh, families from your church who have these kinds of questions, who uh, are maybe thinking about a will uh, to begin with a conversation with one of our planners. And uh, we have just a, a, a fantastic set of planners here and uh, happy to have those conversations with families from, from your church. So the, here's the last uh, one I wrote down, Cindy, uh, that I hear from time to time from churches. Uh, sometimes church leaders will say to me, you know, we're a blue collar church and um, we, all of our leadership is, is blue collar. We don't have uh, anybody in the church that's familiar with finance, anybody in the church that's familiar with um, investing, uh, gifting stock or commodities, those kinds of things. Uh, so this really, you know, giving non-cash assets really isn't our thing. Uh, so that's why, um, you know, resources from Barnabas Foundation are not a fit for us. Um, where, where do we head in that conversation? Yeah, I would say the opposite. That's why resources from Barnabas are so important to them because we can help give that message. They don't have to rely on experts from within their church to give um, and talk through different gift options that are available. So that's why I lean on Barnabas for that information. Go to our website, go to the church website. There's a wealth of information there about different gifting options that are available. Um, one of the things that, again, our own church that we use is the, gen the growing generosity um, that, you, that Barnabas puts out. I think it's quarterly, right, Phil? Um, uh, generosity today. Yep. Sorry, I'm sorry. Generosity today. I'm yep. sorry. Generosity yep. is is quarterly, and to share that with your um, your church members, whether it's you know electronically or in church mailboxes, that's um, going to encourage biblical stewardship, but it's also going to give them practical ways um, of of giving against uh, opening up their their eyes to some of those kind of non traditional non cash asset giving is is really important so use barnabas as much as possible to communicate that absolutely and then the the generosity today uh newsletter as you said is quarterly uh that is sent uh to every christian reform church uh, it's available to non-christian reform churches just contact me and be happy to get it out to you uh, but it's sent out via email every uh quarter every quarter also, uh, the new issue, the latest issue is about ready to go out. There's an April issue coming up. So that one's uh, going to be ending up in uh, mailboxes or inboxes very, very soon. And uh, it, it comes as a PDF, but it also comes in an email format. So churches can use their uh, church email list and they can send it out that way. 
or they can print it off and put it in church mailboxes if they have those kinds of things. Uh, so it's really a, a built-in, easy resource. It's designed for people who sit in the church pew, and it's designed to promote gifts of non-cash assets, uh, to inspire generosity, and to uh, uh, promote gifts in a will as well. So that's, uh, it's really a tremendous resource. Uh, that's what I had in mind when I was saying we're going to hold on to the question on the board about advertising, about making non-cash gifts to the church. Uh, generosity today is a, is a really uh, useful resource. And also, you know, in, in this area, in terms of making gifts of non-cash assets, uh, treasure account through Barnabas Foundation is really a fantastic resource, too. It's, it's easy to open up uh, and uh, easy to promote to your members for making gifts of stock or commodities or, or any kind of uh, non-cash asset, really. Yeah, I think that's what, that's also not only on the promotion side, but on the administration side. We are here to help churches to receive those non-cash gifts, whether it's Barnabas receiving it on their behalf, selling it and sending them the proceeds um, or walking them through how to do appropriate receipts. We are here to help with the administration of receiving those non-cash assets as, as well. So please, yeah, contact us and, and use us. Absolutely. And, you know, that's another I, maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm just a point that I want to reiterate. Uh, members at your church, people uh, who who participate and benefit from the ministry of your church, your church ministry matters to them, and they uh, most likely already have charitable intent. That is, they're already going to be making gifts to your church. Uh, it sometimes, in many instances, it makes sense to make gifts of non-cash assets or uh, even to look at a will and think about a gift in, in a will. And uh, those kinds of opportunities end up being a win-win for everyone. And uh, it's really uh, one of the key reasons why we enjoy our work so much at Barnabas Foundation, because we get to see a lot of win-wins. Uh, we get to see the joy of generosity, the joy of giving, and the joy of receiving and the impact that that makes. So we have feel good all the time here at Barnabas Foundation which is uh, a pretty nice perk in terms of our work. Yeah, and I think the, one of the things to, to add, just um, before we leave, one of the things to add is just, we, we experience those feel-goods through the stories that we, that we hear and that we share. And so I encourage that among churches as well. If they're getting questions from individuals, address those questions or answer those questions to the full congregation. Um, right. If they're getting stories, ask if their members are willing to share those stories about how they maybe were blessed by giving a non-cash asset. The more that we can talk about it, the more it becomes the natural thing to do and the more it's accepted, the more people are curious about how they can get involved as well. Absolutely. Cindy, I need to have you on all of my phone calls from now on. Uh, when I'm having these phone conversations, you need to be there. So. <laughs> Can we, can we do, no, we can't. Sure, Phil, anytime. No, it's not going to happen. Uh, so the website is church.barnabasfoundation.com. Make sure you check that out, please. And uh, share this recording with a church leader and follow up with them and say, what was the key takeaway from that conversation? And what can we begin to do differently so that we can promote gifts of non-cash assets and gifts in a will to our church. Cindy, it's been a pleasure. And uh, thanks to everyone for joining us. Uh, peace to you and God bless. Thank you for listening. This audio has been brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. 
Learn how we can help you experience smart and powerful generosity. Visit us today at www.church.barnabasfoundation.com.